Hi, and welcome to the new Imperial Chemical Engineering podcast, where we talk to researchers across the department about their work. I'm Sarah, and I'm the communications manager for the department. And I'm Ben, and I'm a PhD student in the department. And today we're talking to Miriam Sarkis. She's a PhD student in the group of Dr. Maria Papasanasiu, and we're going to talk to her about her work on supply chain. I'm a PhD student in the department. I work under the supervision of Dr. Maria Papathanasiu and Prof. Nile Shah. I was previously an undergrad in the chemical engineering department and I continued in a PhD program here in the department. I work on supply chain optimization for advanced pharmaceuticals and I am part of the class of 2020, which was the class that was disrupted towards the end by the arrival of COVID. So I was probably the first year that did their exams online um, uh, from home remotely. Um, and I hadn't seen my classmates until until one year and a half later when we all reunited for a in-person graduation. And I started my PhD during COVID uh, remotely from, from Italy since last year. I've come back to college and it's been very nice. So how was it studying and starting a PhD with COVID and finishing your, your master's with COVID? What was it like? Was it, was it a challenge or did you find it actually fine? Um, I think it was such an extraordinary in the sense, like a very unexpected way of living, the way COVID came, that then finishing off the master's online, it just felt sort of unexplainable, but that's how things were. So I just accepted it back at the time. It was a bit bitter not to have a graduation straight straight away, uh, as, as would have been planned. But it was, as I said, it was very nice to sort of have a graduation later on that was a massive reunion of people um, after, after being spread around in the world, starting new lives and then coming back to the, to the origins or like where we uh, where we were before COVID came, so that was that was very nice. And starting the PhD remotely, again, I I didn't know how otherwise it would have been. So for me, that was the experience. I just accepted it the way it was. It felt a little bit. I felt probably isolated because I was just working from home, connecting to the the department only via Teams meetings to my supervisor and to a research group that was just. Uh, growing because me and another student were amongst the first ones of uh, Maria's research group and I still remember the, the those early days of the lab meetings that were online and, and the way they are now which are in person and have resumed normally they're very much different but I, I accept the fact that 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 is how it was back then and how it's evolved it's just very nice. Can you tell us about your background where you grew up where you studied before you came to the UK? I am Italian and I studied since primary school to secondary school in, in, in Italy. I uh, graduated from a, from a school that's called Collegio San Carlo in, in the center of Milan, very close to the, the church that has Da Vinci's Last Supper in it, but I just never crossed the road to go and check it out. Um, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was quite a international 
school I joined for the secondary school program so for my four years which correspond in some countries like high school I think here in the UK school secondary school and it was quite an international program which is why then I got this momentum to try and apply abroad and therefore tried with some UK universities to then come to Imperia when I was accepted. I guess that leads on to talking about your journey to Imperial. Can you talk a bit yeah. more about that? I mean, I applied to some other universities, so for some engineering programs, some specifically to chemical engineering, and the classic answer to why I'm studying chemical engineering is that I quite liked scientific subjects, including math, science, physics, and, and biology, and that this discipline sort of brought them all together. And Imperial... Uh, as far as I could read, my 17, 18-year-old me was understanding that it was a very, very good and very tailored school for science, which obviously when then I was accepted, I thought it's very, it's a very unique opportunity to to go be in London, which is a very, a very unique city as well, um, and at a, at a, one of the top schools in the in the world for for this discipline so then that's why i accepted and joined and then you chose to stay on i did i did and i think in my early days of chemical engineering studies i just i hadn't planned at all that i was going to stay on for a phd i wasn't thinking that far ahead but i think it's between my third and fourth year when i started realizing that there's this whole computational side of things, this computer-aided chemical engineering side that I found quite fascinating because it was bringing together mathematics, programming, uh, and this systems thinking of everything around us and, and complex processes. So I ended up understanding how um, what I actually liked about chemical engineering. So I, I sort of discovered this this passion and then I continued because I quite enjoyed projects, especially the computational ones that did not involve um, lab work. Interesting. Some people, you know, some people really go for the lab work and then other people are really like, yeah, like you, like the complete opposite. And it's interesting that chemical engineering, that you can have that kind of diversity of researchers, that you can kind of take one approach or the other. In a few sentences, tell me about your research and what it is that you do. I know that you've kind of touched on this a little bit already. Mm -hmm. Um, but just maybe in a bit more detail. So in my research, I am developing a framework which is uh, could be understood as a software package that um, embeds a model and an optimization um, of a of a complex process. The process that I'm modeling is a pharmaceutical supply chain for a certain type of product, so an advanced therapeutic, for example. And the advanced therapeutics that I focus on our viral vectors that you may have heard about um, um, as vaccines, for example, the AstraZeneca vaccine, the Janssen and Janssen vaccine, but also some other viral vectors are used in emerging cancer therapies. So in this optimization framework that I am developing, I am trying to, I'm trying to embed the complexity of the manufacturing process and some di the distribution nodes of the supply chain. And because there is, the processes are under development, so whatever data that I put in related to the manufacturing node and related to the demand 
um, of this supply chain is quite uncertain, this optimization ends up being a optimization under uncertainty. So on the one hand, this, this mega tool that I hope to be developing and perhaps I'll then hand into someone else in, in future PhDs to continue developing is going to be able to be given to a manufacturer to then plan under uncertainty of demand um, how to orchestrate resources within their manufacturing network. But also I hope to sort of advance maybe with a, with a novel algorithm, um, the, the field of optimization under uncertainty, which is quite a generic field, but it's sort of then on the more methodological side. So in really simple terms, and maybe this is just like a dictionary <laughs> definition, yeah. what, what is optimization? So <laughs> optimization, it's a way of, of approaching a problem where there is a certain number of decisions that can be made, which are different alternatives. And once a metric of so a certain target, a metric of performance that can be, I don't know, cost, it can be environmental footprint that has to be lowered as much as possible or it can be like meeting um, and making as much product available. So there are these different performance indicators and there's a number of decisions that can be made to meet these, um, these targets. So the optimization is trying to decide and to, to sort of display what are the best decisions to then meet these targets. So when there's a very complex problem, there is often a algorithm which is a very complex uh, line, very complex lines of code that essentially explore all these possible decisions and then decide which one is the best according to what was your original objective. And you can have, can you have more than one objective? So could you say, oh, I want as much product as possible, but at the lowest cost with the lowest environmental footprint, or can you only do one at a time? You can do. There's this whole field of very complex field of multi-objective optimization where there can be conflicting objectives where um, then the best that we can do is to maybe say how the performance would be for both these two performance indicators um, for different decisions. And then it's, it's up to the decision maker or the person that is, that is performing and the optimization to choose um, where to stand. So whether to minimize environmental footprint and then maybe spend a little bit more or to stick to spending less, but then emitting more and being less environmentally friendly. So that leads quite nicely onto the next question. And like, so, so why is this an important field of research? So the, the case studies and the, and the um, application of what I am developing fit into these, this new field of advanced therapeutics that target life-threatening diseases such as cancer, such as genetic disorders that a long time ago weren't really uh, tackled. So the pharmaceuticals that we had known of so far were just based on small molecules or some less complex biolo biologics. But now if there, there's this new there's this whole new class of therapeutics which can cure and improve those, the health of people, but they have to be manufactured and then distributed. And because there are many challenges in, that are related to the product, the process, then 
the 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 industry itself could benefit from um, having a tool that could decide for them if they have to minimize the cost and then still make as much product available to sort of identify a road plan on how to make investments and how to um, and how to expand production capacity so that then the product is made available to the people. So from for, from an, an industrial point of view, that would be essentially it would be a a decision support tool that can help the, the manufacturers decide. And then for the the people on the receiving end of the product, um, well that would be that the, the tool could the, these tools that me and other people in the scientific community are, are developing can sort of mitigate the risk of them not receiving the, the therapy because the, on the supply side there's going to be a, a good strategic plan to make the product available and to lower costs right so you sort of yeah exactly you're opening up these therapeutics to emerging markets as well yeah yeah and also and also there are many therapeutics that are very expensive and optimizing or or in, in this concept of modeling and then optimizing can actually identify some ways to reduce costs in manufacturing and therefore these therapies could be sold at a lower at a lower cost and then the, the cost for the patient could actually be lowered and then more people could access could access them and then benefit from them it sounds like as well with some of these newer therapies that you're kind of you're really advising on that that starting point and building up of those manufacturing processes and almost kind of, I guess, you know, in previous sort of decades without the tools that you've got and the algorithms and computer learning, some of these developments would have taken such a long time because it'd be kind of by trial and error. So am I right in kind of interpreting it that you're kind of speeding up that process of trial and error right. and actually getting some of these processes right from the start? And then that's what leads to these benefits that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are there are people in other groups here at Imperial and, and around the world that focus also a lot on like the process development and the product development to speed up this whole clinical to commercial transition. And I am sort of more at the end of because there are different phases throughout the this transition. And I'm I sort of work at the interface between okay when clinical manufacturing becomes commercial manufacturing. So when products become more and more promising and they're really at the threshold of being launched at on 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 the on the market uh, but there are people it's all like a chain of 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 researchers that that, that focus on different scales and, and and different parts of the timelines of the of the product development life cycle okay so big question hmm. what, what are your your big hopes for the research you're carrying out and where do you see it heading long term? So you've talked about a, like a software package. Yeah. Is that is that what you want, or or, or mm. something bigger, something smaller? So I think I, I I always see that my PhD and then in general this the, the research that um, within this field has often two aims. One of them is to find an, a direct industrial application. And, and and then be tailored to what are the challenges in the industry. So then it becomes very important to in, interact with people from industry and and to un, and to do extensive literature reviews to understand how the application is actually quite unique. 
So I, my hope is that ultimately this can actually be used in manufacturing, so in, in, in industry. So it can become a scheduling and planning tool that a certain company can use at a certain point in time. And this can fulfill all the aims that we've talked about so far, or at least try to. And then there's this other hope of mine, which is I am, I, I am essentially working in the field of modeling and optimization, which is very broad. Operations research has gone on for 30 years, and there's people that have tried all sorts of things, all sorts of complexities and combination of scales of time and space and come up with very, very fancy algorithms. And I hope to also contribute with my own fancy algorithm of optimization under uncertainty that I will be developing my third year of the PhD, hopefully. Um, and, and to sort of give also a methodological contribution to it all, not only tailoring what's been done so far to this application, but also maybe coming up with how the application is actually quite unique to the methodology itself. So you kind of mentioned there like your hopes for the research. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that are facing the field? Hmm. So again, if, the, the, if, if we focus on the industrial field, for example, the, there's this vision of having very flexible and responsive manufacturing processes. So if I actually, uh, if in my framework, if, if in my tool, I give the possibility of the manufacturer can decide whether to manufacture one product at a time or two products in at two like in the same facility and it becomes a multi-product facility or a multi-purpose facility well these are plants that are very well established in other in other industries but for pharmaceuticals there's this contamination risk because ultimately the the products are impacting human health so there's really a strict uh, strict regulations that have to they have to be respected and um, like very, very complex processes, like they might not actually be feasible right now in the industry. So the challenges that I face sometimes is to, shape, is to consider case studies that are perhaps too exotic for this, for what is actually implemented in industry. So, you know, if the, the risk is that this optimization, this framework becomes too advanced for what actually the industry is needing. So there's probably still, mm, I guess it depends across the industries on how, how big the companies are and what tools they have available and resources they have available. But um, yeah, the, probably the big the big challenge is to make sure that the industry is ready for implementing and, and to rely on on um, on fully on a framework. So like on the uptake of this digitalization, we have to make sure that it's actually ready for it. Um, and in terms of the, on the methodological side, well, the biggest challenges for these algorithms that have been built through the years are always the computational challenges because models can become very computationally expensive and take days to solve, if not more. So the algorithm should reduce the computational time. And then there's the uncertainty challenge, because uncertainty can come from different parameters in technical terms from the optimization. And that makes it computationally complex. So um, 
there are there are several challenges that are related still to the to the methodolo- methodology of how the framework is developed, but also to um, the readiness of the industry. Well, to me, it just sounds like the biggest challenge is your research is too good. No one's, re- no one's ready for it yet. Industry, not ready. The computers, they're, they're not fast enough. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we'll take, have a bit of a step change. Hmm. So optimization, it's not going to be something that the general public know a lot about in the same way people might know about bits of biology or chemistry or physics because, you know, at school you're not maybe taught it. So maybe communicating it's even more challenging than someone that works, you know, in other fields of science. What do you think is the best way that you could communicate this sort of research to the general public and explain to them why it's so relevant and important? We use optimization every day. Yeah. If you think about city mapper and how it works. Yeah. To get to a certain place, it gives you a route that is the fastest, but possibly more expensive but also gives you a route that is less expensive and maybe will take a few extra minutes. So it's sort of, yeah. this is like multi, this is, a, this is actually an example of multi-objective optimization. And then there can be like routes that are like forming in between. Yeah. So people are using it every day and probably don't even realize. Probably. Yeah, because, definitely. To be honest. I never gave that any thought that what was going on <laughs> with optimization. I just, you know, <laughs> To me, it sounds like it should be something that everyone cares about because, you know, especially the world we're living in now where things are getting more and more expensive. Mm. And, you know, like the other day I wanted to buy something that, you know, before COVID, I could have just ordered online and it would have come instantly. And now there's like three or four month lead times on it because, you know, shipping containers can't get out of the Far East and stuff. And these algorithms, they can be applied to exactly these sort of things right Mm. like shipping i guess so literally every single thing that we buy that is produced in the world if it's optimized with an inch of its life if it comes cheaper maybe Mm. if it comes more available to everyone so we're not having having these issues so you know you could argue in like a consumerism point of view maybe optimization is the most important thing for for the end consumer as well as the person that's that's making and selling it. Yeah, the consumers, the patients themselves, they they don't they benefit from the product being ensured to be available at a certain point in time. They they definitely they would be impacted by a shortage of a certain vaccine or a certain therapeutic that they are in need of. So ultimately what I am developing, even though it's on the technical side for the for the manufacturers themselves and for the industry themselves, is impacting then the person that is in need of the of the pharmaceutical product. Hmm. Um if people want to find out more about your work, Miriam, where can they find you? <laughs> in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on Twitter I have a Twitter account, I have a LinkedIn account, and some reviews, published reviews of the of the current state of the industry that I've been talking about, and and the, this field of operational planning in in pharmaceutical in the pharmaceutical industry. So if people want to check them out.